0: I'd like to welcome you all to Sunday service here at Ananda Village. Especially, we'd like to welcome our guests and visitors. I'm Naya Swami Parvati. And this is Naya Swami Pranava. I'll read from Rays of the One Light, commentaries on the Bible and Bhagavad Gita, written by Swami Kriyananda, but based on Yogananda's teachings. Is God present even there where there is ignorance? Truth is one and eternal. Realize oneness with it in your deathless self within. The following commentary is based on the teachings of Paramhansa Yogananda. The Gospel of St John chapter 1 makes a reference to the divine light that is obscure to the to the tradition to the rational faculty but that enlightens our higher nature. The light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Reason recoils from this statement with innumerable questions. What is this darkness? Is it conscious that it should comprehend anything? What sort of light would be capable of shining in darkness without transforming at least that part of the darkness in which it shines into light? Does this light shine only at night? And if so, why only then? (laughs) The solution is that to divine sight, even daylight seems darkness. The sun itself, like the moon, which shines only by reflected light from the sun, is but a kind of reflection of the cosmic light, which, being immaterial, is invisible to the eyes, but which is the great source of all material reality. In Autobiography of a Yogi, Paramhansa Yogananda describes his youthful visit to Ram Gopal Muzumdar, the sleepless saint, who lived in the vision of that hidden light. Around midnight, Yogananda wrote, Ram Gopal fell into silence, and I lay down on my blankets. Closing my eyes, I saw flashes of lightning. The vast space within me was a chamber of molten light. I opened my eyes and observed the same dazzling radiance. The room became a part of the infinite vault, which I beheld with interior vision. Why don't you go to sleep? Sir, how can I sleep in the presence of lightning, blazing whether my eyes are shut or open. You are blessed to have this experience. The spiritual radiations are not easily seen. The saint added a few words of affection. This is the light that shineth in darkness. It has been described variously in the great scriptures. In the Bhagavad Gita, the 11th chapter, the devotee Arjuna is given an experience of the infinite state and exclaims in awe, If there should rise suddenly within the skies sunburst of a thousand suns, flooding earth with, with beams undeemed of, then might be that Holy One's majesty and radiance dreamed of. Thus, through Holy Scripture, God has spoken to mankind.
1: This is a reading taken from Yogananda's book of prayer demands, Whispers from Eternity. O Spirit, I care not if all sufferings come to me or all things be taken away from me. I pray only that my love for Thee never fade through my own negligence. May my love for Thee burn brightly forever on the altar of my constant remembrance. There are times when our meditations, and I'll use the royal term of our, we, uh, that our meditations are going pretty well. That we're able to be in the stillness, that stillness of the body and of the mind. And through the techniques we're able to feel that focus, that concentration, and we're able to go within. And we're able to feel the inner flow of energy in the spine, that inner consciousness, And we're able to be absorbed in the qualities of the divine, such as joy, peace, calmness, and so on. And then there are times when our meditations don't go so well. And maybe they are flat. There's nothing happening. It's as if we can't engage. It's like there's a wall, there's a barrier to that experience. Or perhaps, on the other hand, we have meditations where we are constantly bombarded by restless thoughts. That they are invading every, every corner of our consciousness. Now, none of you have had that, but, um, but it is a common experience for all of us. And it's the same with our lives. There are times when things are going really well. It's like our karma is picked up in the most productive, positive way. We can sense that things flow in harmony. We're able to be with people. We're able to be with the things that we're facing as challenges with the right energy and the right attitude. And then, of course, there are the times when our lives seem like it's just collapsing on us. Not only is there a challenge or two, it feels like there are just layers and layers of challenges And that our expectation around the next corner, there's more challenges, more difficulties. And we feel like we're spinning out. We feel like, why go on with what I'm doing? Not so much taking our lives at that point, but just wondering, even the spiritual journey, is it real? Is it true? What is it that's really here in my life? I remember one time, uh, Swami kriyanand in one of the Kriyanand retreats back in the 1990s he was saying that for a whole year and a half he intensely disliked doing Kriya as a technique pretty amazing but then he said but what else could I do besides that he said that I have taken my commitment in taking Kriya in the ceremony that I will do my part in doing this every day and that I trust my guru, and that he gave this to me. And then he said, what else would I do with my life? Nothing else is going to bring me that experience that I seek. And so we have these displays of duality. They're very real to us. And yet it really depends on what we do when they surface in our lives. Because it, in, it is indeed true that good karma is important for us to overcome bad karma. But ultimately, we want to go beyond even good karma. Any karma is binding. And what we want to do is rise above that into our true home in God in that divine oneness. A few days ago, a number of us were having a meeting with Nayaswami's swami's Devi, And at the end of the meeting, Davy pulled out her smartphone and showed us a YouTube video. And it was of this boy. He was probably about nine or ten years old. And what he was doing was actually a motivational talk. There was no audience, or perhaps his parents who were filming him were there. But his focus was what do you choose? What do you choose? Do you choose joy? Do you choose peace? Do you choose to complain? If you choose to complain and you practice this, you will get very good at complaining. And you will find complaints with the most trivial things because you are very good at practicing complaining. And then he said, do you practice being angry? Because you will get very good at it. And then you will find anger within you in times when it's so not needed or appropriate. But you'll be good at that anger. Or do you choose joy? And you'll be very good at that. Do you choose peace? Because you'll get very good at that. It's a very simple approach. And it was charming coming from a nine-year-old. But what he was saying was absolutely dead on that every moment of every day what do we choose? Where is our focus? What are we wrapping our energy our aura around? And it's it's just one of those things that is a very good tool to really always pick up when we stumble because until we're jiva muktans, meaning that until we're liberated while living in these bodies, we're going to get our tests. Not because God is trying to force us into the challenges, but it is indeed with these challenges, this karma, that we get out of the karma. Because we're able to see it more distinctly, more real, more what our lives are about that this element is pushing us and it pushes us to choose attitudes, directions, relationships that may be not that productive that we feel that we're being drawn into them, and we can't stop. We always have that choice. What do you choose? But God is always there with us The question that's asked for this week's reading, is God's presence there even in the midst of ignorance? It is indeed. You know, the chant that I stumble through uh, in the Valley of sorrow. it was funny that every once in a while I feel I'm in the chant and I can't remember how to play it. I don't know if you've had that experience, but um, I think my two hemispheres aren't coordinating that much at that point of my brain but that first line of it you know often that chant uh, can seem somber I mean the notes the melody is certainly like that if you see it or feel it from a certain perspective but the, the first line of that chant in the valley of sorrow a thousand years or till tomorrow it captures very succinctly what do you choose? You can be in that valley of sorrow of all the karma that you have in your life for a thousand years or just till tomorrow. And then the second, then I, you know, I, I will always think of, or I will always be with thee, just you, you, you. And then the second line is, my heart's a fire, my soul's a flame just for you. I want to be only with you, you, just you. So it's always there that the thousand years of sorrow are there, hovering around our consciousness. And we can just say to ourselves, what is my choice in this? Who am I in this moment? What do I really want in life? Do I want to be entertained in a way that draws me out of myself? Or do I want to be entertained that brings me into myself? Because life is entertaining. And, as Yogananda said, it's equally educational. But few people, he said, take advantage of either one of those. They're caught in the whirlwinds of karma overwhelming them. I mean, there are times when we face dire circumstances and it seems like we are caught at times you know think of when someone dear to you passes unexpectedly maybe at a young age you know there is such a response in the world around that situation that says, where is God? Why is God hiding in a time like this? How could God have possibly allowed this to happen to this wonderful child that was young and didn't have a a whole life to live? There is such a sweeping magnetism from many people to say that God is to blame. Or where is God at these times? But God is always there. God is equally there when we feel the deep positive experiences as well as those deep challenging experiences, it isn't about God disappearing. It's about (coughs) what do you choose? And we grow in the experience. We grow always to be good at what we're doing in our choices. And as we meditate, we have this quite amazing unfoldment that happens and it's substantiated now by a lot of research in what they call neurotheology the neurology of spirituality that they're able to see that for meditators that with the meditation hold positive attitudes that it quickly increases the awareness around compassion and care. But if people don't meditate and, lo- and then also make the choices where they have fear in their lives, they have anxiety in their lives, then their brain functions to not embrace compassion and care for other people. There's no empathy for other people. Fortunately, for all of us, the brain is changeable, it's malleable. Even if we're caught in the dredges of fear, if we start to make even a small step forward by using the techniques of meditation, by simply using the the idea of affirmation. They open the possibilities. Neither meditation nor affirmation produces the end result for us, but they open with tremendous magnetism the possibilities. And when we have the possibilities before us, we see our choices being invigorated to go further into knowing who we really are and to tuning into that fulfillment within. <clears throat> in, in the reading today, this idea that is the light able to shine in darkness and then the darkness cannot comprehend it? All I can say is, I have no idea. Um, but there are parts of it that we can focus on that are maybe... Productive in our daily lives that in the Bhagavad Gita and these two phrases are incorporated into the festival of light ceremony that we'll be having at the conclusion of the service this morning but it says that even a little practice of this inward religion will free one from dire fears and colossal sufferings so that's pretty good promise mm-hmm. that if we choose to go in the direction of meditation we have this support that says it will overcome these challenges that are pretty much guaranteed to happen in your life but we're going to realize we have the ability to overcome the challenges <coughs> and then the second quote from the Gita is that even the worst of sinners by steadfast meditation on me speedily comes to me that the worst of sinners by that meditation speedily comes to me and then it says a little bit later in the festival of light ceremony this other line that not only Jesus Christ and Lord Krishna and other great saints everywhere I can't remember I'm going to paraphrase this to you Uh, are in my divine sight. But even the worst of sinners are also part of my sight and in my embrace. So there is this duality that exists in this world around us. And evil is there. That darkness is there. But know for sure that it's only a temporary shade cloth or a veil on who we really are. And if we just choose to meditate and to have those right attitudes, then the challenges may continue to be, and I think this is the tough one for devotees, is that we want to find those challenges just evaporating in an instant. And luckily they do sometimes but sometimes they have so much momentum in those karmic tendencies from so many lifetimes, if we understand reincarnation, that remember, we need to elevate the energy from our own efforts but also from the grace of the Divine to supersede the amount of energy that has gone into that negative karma. So, the truth is though, that we can change things in an instant if we raise our consciousness raise the energy so that the possibility of God's grace lifting us completely above that karma is constantly available it's not just a hope although hope can be used it's something we can choose. And as we choose that, the brain itself operates in a way to make this more real. Everything converges into this magnetism of the reality of this experience. And it is our truth, it is our experience. That we can see, even in the midst of darkness, there is light. Some of you have, have perhaps seen the movie The Song of Bernadette. It's not a recent movie. It came out in 1943. But it's the dramatized story based on the book that dramatized Burnett's uh, story. Burnett is Saint Bernadette, I mean, Bernadette of Lourdes in France. And the, the pilgrimage point of many miracles but in the movie, it portrays some very, very important points in a very good way. And it's worthwhile. It's also, just to let you know, it's one of the few movies that Paramahansa Yogananda referenced and said was indeed an inspiring movie. But there's one scene after the visions happen, start to happen with Bernadette. And again, she never calls it the, the personage that comes to her as Mother Mary. She just describes her as the lady and the lady has appeared a number of times at this grotto which is the dump of the village and at one point she's told to to take of the water and to dig in a certain spot well it's just earth and she starts digging and there's hundreds of people there gathered to see what's happening um, because other visions have taken place so people know about this and she's to participate, partaking of this soil that's mud and putting it to her face and just jeering and laughter breaks out you know that she's just tipped over the edge sanity wise that she's doing this and they take her away but some people remain sort of in puzzlement and they're sitting there and this one man starts to feel this trickle of water and the water is coming up from this area. And several people have been touched miraculously by this water, this blind man, for instance. And then there's a scene where there's a family that the child is just a baby has been paralyzed and seemingly is on the verge of, of death. Doesn't cry, is just there. And the mother here's what's happening with the water at the grotto. And she takes the baby, uh, ignoring the pleas of her husband, saying, don't be foolish, dear. But she runs to the grotto, and she puts the baby in the water and says, Lord, either take my baby now, or return him to me. And he starts crying. And she brings him home, and the doctor that's been there and diagnosed the baby beforehand, giving no hope, diagnoses the baby and sees that things are different. There's muscular tissue that wasn't there and the baby's lungs are healthy and vibrant with energy in crying. And there's a consulting doctor that comes because it's a, obviously a strange situation. And he too diagnoses the child without any of the symptoms that were there before. And they, they're, they're puzzled and also anxious because they're scientists, they're doctors. And how can they comprehend and how can they explain this? And then they turn to the young priest that's been in the room all night. And it's, it's morning. And they ask him, so how do you see this? And he says, As a priest, as as a man of the church, we're taught to be more open to other possibilities. (laughs) And then he says this amazing line. He said, When I came here last night, it was dark. And now it is lighter. And then he leaves. But obviously it's a metaphorical statement that there was that darkness of this heavy karma. And now there was the light of the grace that was there. And for each of us in our own lives, always be aware of that. What is my choice? And if we open up, the right things will happen. But far more importantly, we will know God's presence.